0: You're listening to episode 152.
1: It's absolute chaos
0: of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lynn.
1: And I'm Christina M.
0: Well, today we're going to be interviewing Justin Early about how to find meaning in the daily chaos of raising kids.
1: Have you ever <laughs> felt a title more deeply? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether you realize it or not. Parenting happens in habits. We make meals. So many meals. (laughs) We get in cars. We answer so many questions. We discipline and we do bedtime. So much of our relationship with children happens through these ordinary rhythms of the day. Just stuff that we have to do. And yet, how often do we go through these motions as if they were meaningless? Mm. How often do we just blaze through these mundane quote-unquote chores to finally get some me time or we time
0: Mm, yeah and that's why in this episode justin is going to show us how ordinary routines are actually extraordinary opportunities to live out the love of god in a profound way he's going to give us the tools that we need for parenting and ways to discover spiritual meaning in the everyday moments of waking mealtimes screen time and bedtimes
1: I cannot wait. Well, in case you aren't familiar with Justin, he is a writer, speaker, and lawyer from Richmond, Virginia, and the author of an award-winning book on habits and spiritual formation called The Common Rule. But most of all, he's a dad who is married to Lauren and spends a lot of time wrestling his four young boys, which you'll hear more about in the episode. To find out more about Justin and to grab all of today's show notes, go to inbetween.org episode 152. Let's jump into
0: the interview. Hey, Justin Early, it's great for you to be on our podcast today.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited, Daniel and Christine. I appreciate you having me.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, just to get us started, we'd love for you to just share what prompted you to write your book, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms.
2: Yes. As with um, most of my writing so far, I get prompted to write from my own crisis.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, I hear you. <laughs>
2: so, in this case, it was the crisis of not having good habits, particularly the crisis of bedtime that happened with. Uh, as probably all parents listening know, bedtime can be a nightly crisis. So, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. it was in our house yesterday.
2: <laughs> how, oh yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of still is, even though the habits help now. But here's here's like what led me to start really thinking about this. I remember putting my boys down one night back when we had three boys and my our bedtimes are just like what you would expect with three or four boys. It, there's lots of wrestling. Uh, there's lots of bath water on the floor. There's lots of fights over toothbrushes, board books being turned into weapons. I mean, this is this is normal stuff in our household. Right. And um, I I recall that evening just getting super frustrated and going into my what I call the impotent general mode where I just start yelling and shouting commands, hmm. threatening bodily harm if PJs are not put on right away. Yeah. And, and it's not really, it doesn't really help anything, right? Um, it's sort of move things faster, but it basically just makes us all angry. And I remember that night I put my kids down, um, walked out of the room after saying a short bedtime prayer and telling them I loved them. And as I closed the door, I had this sort of dissonance of, wow, this is a normal night for me. Mm-hmm. I I get angry, I get frustrated. We all get mad, and then I say with my mouth, "I love them." But the right. feeling in the air is every every day is sort of, let's just get through it, okay? Yeah. And what was particularly disappointing to me that about that night was not that it was new because it happened a lot that was the disappointing realization it's just that oh this is kind of our routine
0: yeah well. we
2: always do this and I can share like the solution in a minute but I'll just let that sit for a second it was it was the realization that my household it's possible for my household to be formed in my routines of stress frustration anger at my children that's the normal thing that they experience and if these are the habits then, that are forming them. What does that mean for us? Yeah. And uh, that kind of that was a crisis moment.
1: Wow, um, you were touching a pain point there in our lives, <laughs> <Yeah>. Justin. <laughs> So you're talking about the solution. We are going to get there, Uh, but we want to touch on this phrase that you wrote in your first um, introduction, seeing ordinary habits as liturgies of worship. And I thought that was such a beautiful Mm -hmm. phrase. Mm -hmm. Also understanding and realizing that maybe everyone listening um, doesn't even know what liturgy is. and. So if you could explain what a liturgy is and also going on, how can we reimagine household habits as gospel liturgies?
2: Yes. So perfect setup for the resolution of this story, because <laughs> I was talking about this crisis with my pastor a couple of days later, and he suggested he had two boys of his own and said that his bedtimes were also equally frustrating. Yeah. And he suggested I try this bedtime liturgy with my kids. Now. I'll pause there because, yeah, liturgy is a kind of a fancy word. Some people, you know, it it might be seen as a high church word. But if you take it apart, a liturgy is really just a pattern of worship that we Mm. repeat Mm. over and over. Mm. And the goal is, you know, to become more formed in the image of who we worship. That is God. Now, liturgies can do a lot for us. And I had just finished writing my book, The Common Rule, which which was my first book. On seeing ordinary habits as significant spiritual liturgies, yeah. mm-hmm. so when my pastor Derek said, "Try this, you know, bedtime liturgy with your boys," my mind kind of was like, "Oh my gosh!" I've thought a lot about my ordinary patterns being liturgies of worship in technology, work days, like your, your mental thoughts, all these right. things, but I hadn't much applied it to my parenting. So, I, I go home the next week. I write my first bedtime liturgy for the boys, and. And here's how it goes. Uh, I'll just say it to you real quick. So yeah, yeah, I wrote sure. a couple questions and I, I say to them, can you see my eyes? And they say, yes. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I say, can you see that I see your eye? And they say, yes. And then I say, do you know that I love you? They say, yes. Yeah. I say, do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? Yeah. Do mm-hmm. you know I love you no matter what good things you do? Yeah. And then I end with who else loves you like that? And they say God does. And I say, You rest in that love. Now
0: it's oh, beautiful. Wow.
2: I wrote those words because I also think, Oh, this is this is beautiful. This would be a good calm way to, you know, steward our evening into the words of love. You could guess how this goes, right? The first time. You know, <laughs> it's anything but calm. I mean, they 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 think the eye thing is like an invitation to poke my eyes at each other's eyes. <laughs> right. And they're not sure all the answers to the questions at first. Like do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? And they're like, no, not when we're doing bad things. (laughs) (laughs) so. But I knew enough about habits at that point to realize that, you know, no, nothing feels like a norm until it is. Mm. And so with any new habit of the household, you've got a a parent perseveres, a parent practices. So we kept practicing and there was this beautiful moment a couple days. It's probably more like 10 week and a half later. Uh-huh. That, um, my I remember one of my kids laying in bed was like, Can we have our bedtime blessing now? And, uh-huh. and we went through this little liturgy, and it was just a beautiful moment of exchanging the words of God's unconditional love for us and you know, for me, uh, us and them. Uh-huh. And what was so significant about that night was that it was otherwise just like the first one I'm like, There's still bath water on the floor, it's mm-hmm. still hard to get them to bed, they're still you know, wrestling when they should be brushing their teeth but now i wasn't just pushing to that moment where i shut the door and get to go you know collapse on the couch right we were pushing towards this new habit of exchanging these important words of god's love and that's what i would say to all the parents listening that the power yeah. of a good parenting habit it is, is that it's it reframes your knee jerk reaction to the ordinary chaotic situations that you will continue to experience mm, but opens yeah. up those situations to be new new ways that God's grace can inbreak break into those situations and change your reactions to them. And that's what we're looking for because your life yeah. is not going to get easier, but yeah. it can become more meaningful, more grace soaked and more inundated with the love of God. And that's what the household is a place yeah. where we learn right. how to love each other. Despite the chaos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. You know, in your, in your book, you talk about these 10 habits of the household, And, um, as we go into these household habits, uh, we'd love for you to just, uh, just share and and just walk us through how some of these ordinary household routines can turn into extraordinary opportunities to live out the love of God.
2: Yeah. So I wrote the book uh, around ordinary, ordinary moments. So if you Mm. look at the chapters, it's things like, um, you know, waking and meal times, moments of discipline, screen time, work and play—all this stuff. Because what I don't want parents to think is that there's some su- sort of super spiritual plane and new routine they have to get to. It's really mm-hmm. just looking at what are the ordinary moments of, of your day that you're doing right now, and how can you see them as extraordinary liturgies? Mm-hmm. Um, so, t- a small example maybe to get us into it. I, I want to look at meal times. Let's say um, okay. I think eating together this, this should this is kind of obvious to people but on the other hand there's so many of us who just don't right so mm-hmm. eating together is not just a sort of nuclear old nuclear family old practice that you know was once quaint I, I think eating together is a real sign of looking for a relationship in the family looking really? looking to build uh, community conversation teach kids the art of living into community and so it's Awfully chaotic. I'm sure you all know. Like, like with your three <laughs> yeah. kids, like in the ages they are, it is not easy to eat together. There's all these things that have to come together. You have to prepare food and think about what you can buy ahead of time. I have to make it home from work on time. We have to wrangle them from whatever activity that they're doing to the yeah, table. Exactly. Um, we try to pray. They interrupt. They hold each other's hands too hard. They pull on each other. You know. <laughs> we we have this ritual of lighting a candle and saying Christ is light together as we light it, which it's kind of a a beautiful thing to start a meal together. But really lots of times it's just fighting over who gets to light the candle and like at the wrong time and like playing with fire, you know? And then, you know, we try to talk and um, we're, we're often fighting about, you know, who gets the most of whatever's on the table. We have like four, four boys, right? So Mm -hmm. my poor wife, she's the only one who's reasonable at the table. All of us are just like, (laughs) give me the food, you know, we want more of it. (laughs) And so if you look at, if you look at a family meal from that perspective, it's a it's kind of appropriate to call it chaos. Um, right. But when you look at it through what I call the liturgical lens, like what's going on when we think nothing else but chaos is going on? Uh-huh. Well, actually, there's some really th- important things going on. We are organizing our lives away from just convenience and towards community because we're creating mm-hmm. a schedule. To, like we fight through the chaos to come together at the table. Um, oh, we're right. working through what it means to. Touch each other and hold hands, Mm -hmm. how to be quiet together, how to say something important together like crisis, light? how to share Mm -hmm. stories and food, you know, how to serve someone else first, how to say thank you for what someone else has done for you. All these things are actually really, really significant ways we're developing our kids and us to say service, sacrifice, prayer, important theological messages. All these things are just the ordinary patterns of a Tuesday evening at 630 p.m., yeah. So there's something extraordinary happening when you commit to eating a family meal together, and that's mm-hmm. what I want people to see all throughout the day. There's, there's all of these incredible things you're teaching your kids just by living ordinary life, and I want parents to lean into that significantly.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I love how you started with mealtime because I think we can all relate to that. And, <laughs> right. and, and sometimes they're great. Other times it's just get the food in your body, and we got to go to the next thing. Exactly. Uh, but, but at least in our household. Waking up, right? The mornings are one of those. It's just, it can be very stressful. Hectic. Uh, hectic. Some yep. of our kids are early risers. Others want to sleep in. So so how can something like just waking up, because I know that's one of your 10 habits. How, does, yeah. how, do, how do you turn that into uh, an opportunity to live out the love of God?
2: That, this is a really important one, um, because mostly what I talk about in the chapter on waking up is is how parents wake up and there's a reason for that um a lot here's what i say we become our habits and -hmm. our kids become us Mm -hmm. so our habits of the household are extraordinarily important to our kids spiritual formation i just want to dwell on the first part of that one of the most important things we're teaching our kids as we parent them is what it looks like to follow jesus as a human being like they're just watching us right right and it's kind of um it's kind of a myth to think that we could be good mothers and fathers without being good disciples. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think about when in waking is just, how am I beginning my day? Because my kids are going to follow into that wake. Now, mm-hmm. so our habits that I talk about in the, in the book are, are scripture before phone, Ro- rooting your morning, not in the chaos or the anxiety of the news or your email inbox, all that you have to do today, But rooting it in a moment, however brief, because it might be very brief, of reminding yourself that the most important fact of the day is that God loves you unconditionally. And you Mm. are set free to go love other people out of that love. Love people at work. Love people in your inbox. Love your kids, all (laughs) these things. Um, Now, that I just want to acknowledge that idea that you can spend some time in scripture before you go to your phone. it can get knocked off really easy by kids. Like kids, mm. kids wake up early. They, yeah. you're, you're exhausted. You got to get right to it. There's all these sorts of ways that kids make it hard. So I want to make sure that parents understand like a lot of grace here. I think the beauty of habits is that they can become background norms that you fall back to onto, even mm. though often work, kids, life, sickness might knock you off. We're not searching for perfect practice. What right. we're saying is, how can we create a background norm where I am waking up into the love of God? And thus, when my kids wake, I can offer that to them. Um, mm-hmm. My wife does it differently than I do. You know, I do it differently than she does. But rooting our days isn't that sort of scripture before phone. Um, we also think about rooting our mornings in some sort of quick family prayer before we go out. Mm-hmm. We do a prayer beside, like we did it this morning. Before everybody leaves for school um, or daycare or work, we just get together at the door. We ring a little bell, which is the announcement. Okay, quick morning prayer before we leave. Hmm. And kids fight over who gets to ring the bell this morning. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, we're fighting. I'm ringing the bell. You know, <laughs> we, we have this like little moment of a prayer that we say together. And you know, I'm betting that our kids think like, oh, here comes the morning prayer. I just got to do this before. But on the other hand, um, we, what we say together is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for this day. Bless us as we go to work, study, and play be Mm. present with us in all we do and may in all things we bring glory and honor to you. It's helpful that it rhymes. What I hope though, is that like when they're 25 that they have like a hook in their brain to hang this memory on and say, what is it that we were saying? Huh? That the day is not about like what we have to do, not about the rushing out to make Mm. the bus on time, drop off on time, but that let's go work, study and play under the glory of God that they all follow fall under those things. Yeah, Yeah. We're just trying to create, because this is what happens, right? Kids get an implicit memory and we're Mm -hmm. trying to create rhythms and patterns they can fall back on and see that the day, no matter what you're doing, is rooted in the love of God. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's so cool. I'm just wondering if your kids, when they hear a bell, they're like, all of a sudden, why do I feel the need to pray?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the hook.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just start ringing bells all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, Justin.
0: The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Available wherever books are sold.
1: I love um, how you're just talking even about screen time in the beginning. So I know yeah. that our um, that we have listeners with kids of all ages. I would love for you if you could touch on screen time. How is that that can be a um, household habit as a gospel liturgy? How yes. can we look at screen time like that?
2: I don't know a single person who's not worried for themselves and for their kids. Like, how yeah. do I? deal with screens well. And I actually think um, you don't need to be anxious about this, but I, I am so glad that people are asking because I would suggest that probably the most important thing in our discipleship to Jesus in the age we live in is how we use screens. Hmm.
0: Like,
2: I, I, it might be a big statement, but I really do mean it. I think how we work, how we understand how we deal with screens is incredibly important to our spirituality. Um, and if, if you're a parent, you know, there are two things True of screens. One, there will always be more. Like, there will always be more to the feed. It's bottomless. There's more videos just on Netflix alone than you could watch with the hours that you have in a year. There's yeah, no end to right. the shows, the podcast, the next thing. There, there's always more. Um, and at the same time, just like sugar, like, it's never enough,
0: mm-hmm. right? You're always left mm-hmm.
2: wanting more. And your kids, too, they're always going to want to be on screen. So that's okay. That just means the job of a parent is to set healthy limits. Yeah, yeah. and so right. I encourage parents to think about this for them. And I'm I'm talking to us and our kids, right? Because it's not like our kids are the only ones who need help with this. So mm,
0: yep. for
2: us and our kids, we need to think about screen time in terms of curation. Curation means that think of a gallery wall. You know, you only have a limited space, so you yeah. pick the best things to go on that space. Think of screen time like that. First you've got to set your limits. Like screen time can't be all the time, or you and your kids will sail off into oblivion, anxiety, depression, loneliness. So the consequences are pretty serious, right? Right, Mm. yep. Um, so set your limits and then pick great stuff because the consequences of stories, which is what we're getting, you know, in screens, whether it's Mm -hmm. an Instagram story or a Netflix show or a great movie or good podcast, stories really, really form us and that's important. Yeah. Stories teach us probably more than any Sunday school lesson what it means to live a good life, what a hero is, what a human being is for, all these things. Mm -hmm. So I am so pro screens and stories in that sense. It's just like sex, money, power, and anything else that's, you know, really important. It can be really good or really dangerous. I would put screens on that list, like around near sex. Like it's really good and really dangerous. Treat it carefully. Mm -hmm. Um so those are the two paradigms I want parents to work in. Set limits and then pick carefully. And the only last thing that I would add is that limits, I think, are best done in rhythms. Like rules are, this is a book about habits, right? Not Mm -hmm. rules. Mm. Um, Rhythms do better than rules. So what I mean by that is in our house, for example, we have Friday night movie night. It's our go-to time that the kids and hopefully Lauren and I with them are going to watch a movie. Um, We do a Sunday cousins movie when we have a family lunch after church. We have... um, Often on Tuesday afternoon, like the boys' screen time after school, they can just kind of unfold and watch some shows. Mm-hmm. So when they say, you know, night after night, because they always want more, hey, can we watch? So X, I, we always say, yeah, is it Friday? Is it Sunday? Is it Tuesday? Mm-hmm. But those function as sort of guardrails of like there are times we're going to go to screens and we're going to pick something really good and watch it together, but that's not every time. So yeah. is it Friday? They're like, no, I'm like, go outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they get that. Like kids. Yeah. Learn rhythms. Kids internalize habits pretty quickly, actually, if we stick to them. And for us, it's one of the easiest ways. Just create those rhythms so that you can have those habits so that they know when screens are going to be around and when they're not. That's such a gift to give them. The the, the idea that every moment is not for screens, but there are some moments for them. I mean, we need that too. Like It's a gift to teach your kids those rhythms.
0: Yeah, that's Thanks. um love that because I can see how that's great for parents of younger children and parents of older children, preteens and teens. You know, yes. does your teenager have a phone does do they not have a phone? I mean, this all of this is very helpful. It's a very helpful paradigm and framework mm-hmm. to think through. So, um so Justin for our last question today, we'd love to uh, we love for you to speak to parents of older children, right? Preteens and teens, and and for a lot of these families, there's just. Uh, a hectic hustle and bustle of life with school and extracurriculars and and youth group and working and and waking and bedtime. Mm -hmm. And and, and there's not always the opportunity to eat together either. um, As you reflect on those 10 habits and yeah, even in just how you've been processing through all of this, what advice would you give to parents of older children?
2: Yeah. So my oldest child right now is 10. So I don't have a teenager at the moment, but I remember <laughs> all the grief I gave my parents as a teenager. Mm. And I think some of the, my best advice on that comes from my experience. So I was, I was not an easy uh, teenager. I, I went through some serious rebellion in all the ways that really makes parents worried, you know, with girls and alcohol and sneaking out and, and, and more and more and more. Like I could go on. But here's a here's a moment that forever shaped me as a as a late teen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had come back from a, a beach week where I did the, all kinds of the things I wasn't supposed to do. I knew it. I came back with an eyebrow ring. Put the fashion moment aside of the, the late <laughs> '90s. Did
0: you have tips my, <laughs> too?
2: My, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, had, had it. <laughs> um, my the important part of the story is my parents did not approve said eyebrow ring. I was not even 18. I had just lied to this tattoo parlor who was more than happy to believe me. <laughs> my mom was you know, just sort of like crushed. She's like, what is going on? He, he, but here's the important part of the story. My dad took me for a walk. And I remember he looked me in the eye this, that morning. And he said, "Now I do not care if you have an eyebrow ring at all. What I do care about is whether you love Jesus or not.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, what was so impactful to me about that moment was not exactly the words themselves. It was that I actually, after 17 years of living with this guy, believed him. Mm -hmm. I believed that that is really what he cared about and that he wasn't after this certain behavior or correcting the way I look. He was wondering and worrying whether I loved the savior of the universe or not, and whether I was going to devote my life to him. Mm -hmm. And I I say that to parents of older kids because when I think about habits of the household, I'm thinking a lot about over the long haul, what kind of parent are we acting acting out in front of them? What kind Mm -hmm. of person do they actually think that we are? So when it comes to that big moment to say something, Mm -hmm. are we the kind of person that they believe or not? And I mean, in the final analysis, I looked at my dad and I thought I, in all the small ways, I see him read the word. I know that he mm-hmm. prays. I believe him when he talks about his walk with the Lord. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, sometimes he got too mad at me. Yes, sometimes I wish he was there. But but on the in the big picture, I knew that he was there. I knew that he did care. I knew that he was always trying to find me in conversation mm-hmm. at meal times and at prayer times, all these things. So when it came to that major moment, I believed him. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would just uh, commend to to parents. Think about the way that your own spiritual walk with Jesus is formed by your daily habits, which your kids are watching. And then think about how probably the most important thing in your household is what those norms are, because you will get to the moment of suffering. You will get to the moment of crisis. Mm -hmm. And you want to have that solid foundation to be able to speak from, even whether it's in weakness Mm -hmm. or strength, that, that they would look at you and say, oh this mom, this dad, they really do love Jesus. I want to become more like them as they become more like God. Um, And so that's what I would say.
1: Wow. Justin, I love how you were talking about your own story. And as well as a few times you said it, that we're focusing more on habits versus rules. And I love how that even as we are talking about parents with their own relationships with Christ, right? If we approach him as our heavenly father with just oh, you want me to do this and you don't want me to do this and with a, a book of rules versus habits and relationship, then yes. we look at God completely different, right? And yes. so just thinking of that's how our kids look at us too. If we just come with them with a book of rules and when you have exactly. that big moment, exactly. right, right? They're like, but you don't actually care for me and you don't care for God because you just are just trying to check off like, yes, I look good on the outside, but what's really yeah. going on in the inside. So thank you, Justin. Thank you for uh, talking about your book, but also helping us as parents and as humans in general just to be able to look introspectively of um, how are we even approaching God mm. with our own relationship. So I love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin. We would love um, if you would tell our podcast family how they can find out more about you and your books. If you have a website, we'd love to hear about that too.
2: Absolutely. Um, you can go to habitsofthehousehold.com and You can find my website from there or uh, Instagram stuff from there where I share a lot of the practical tips. Um, You can find my wife curates shows, podcasts, and movies because the screen time stuff is about curation, right? She has Lauren's list there to help you pick carefully for your kids. So you can find a lot of that at habitsofthehousehold.com. And I really just appreciate what you said, Christina. And I would just leave everybody with this. This is not about a list of rules or to do's you know to create Mm -hmm. your best parenting life now this is this is something very different it is just to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that god loves us and that should fundamentally reshape our household so i just want everybody to remember your habits don't change god's love for you Mm -hmm. but god's love for you can and should change your habits and that's where all of this is coming from just responding to your relationship with him and reshaping your days and your kids days accordingly
0: yeah Great. Well, thank you, Justin, so much for being on our podcast today.
2: You bet. Thank you both.
0: What a great interview to kick us off for 2022, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we trust that you found this episode inspiring and useful in establishing new habits and intentional rhythms around your everyday routines.
0: And we hope that by seeing these mundane moments as spiritual practices, your family will have a greater sense of peace and purpose as your home becomes a place where everyone learns how to love.
1: Amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We'll talk soon.